0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Animal Party
2: is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com.
3: Welcome to the animal party. We're going to party party today. Don't be tardy for this party. Bring your cats. That's right. Your cats. And I'm not talking about only the fancy pedigreed cat. No, I'm talking about all your cats. Your domestic short-haired, your long-haired tabbies, your Siamese crosses, your blue point, violet point, whatever you want to call them. Fancy cats. Every cat you got. Bring it to the party, because today we're going to be partying with Joan Miller from the Cat Fanciers Association. Now, she is a CFA all-breed judge, so she's judged all the different fancy, fancy cats, and she's chair of CFA's Outreach and Education Committee, former president of the Council on Pet Population Study and Policy, and former president of the Wynn Feline Foundation. Joan writes articles and presents talks for the general public at cat shows and pet fairs, for shelter professionals and volunteers, veterinary students and other groups and for us today of course we're lucky we're going to hear about anything we can come up with from the handling of cats to legislative issues domestic cat evolution history of cat breeds wherever our talk takes us and we're going to start by talking about her new kitten her new project and welcome to the show Joan
1: oh thank you very much Deborah wonderful to be here
3: Uh, Thank you, girl. It's good to have you at the party, and I see as we let you in the door that you come well accompanied. You're well escorted by many, many cats, and what is this cat center stage they're all purring about? Well,
1: this is a new website uh, that will introduce people to all the intricacies about cat personality, uh, the various types of cats. Cats have lots of lifestyles. And uh, everything from the very feral cats that are almost wild in the way they act and uh, similar to raccoons or other wild animals to those that interact with people but they can't be touched to the loosely owned cats to finally the cats that are indoors uh, or indoor outdoor cats that are owned by people and cherished by families. So we we will cover the entire gamut of cat lifestyles on Cat Center Stage, and we already have some very interesting articles and uh, uh, some new things to let people know that cats like to do.
3: Well, you know what? For people listening to this, they're podcast listeners. These guys are email savvy. They know what to do on the web. So go to CatCenterStage.org, capital Cs, CatCenterStage.org. Cats with an S, catscenterstage.org. And you can see what we're talking about. We're going to go off to the commercial, hear a little bit from our sponsors, check out that website, and we'll be back to tell you more about cats. And I think we're going to surprise you. For the dog lovers who are coming to the party, I've got some dog facts for you and some interesting news. So hang in there. There will be something for you, too. All right. Come back from our sponsors.
2: yet to come. Stick around. Hey boy, how you doing? <coughs> what am I doing? <coughs> I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <coughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (coughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. (coughs) No, not for Grandma. But we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the pet Life Radio homepage. <coughs> Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. <coughs> hey, come back here. <coughs> create your own life book for your pet. Attitude every week on demand only on petliferadio.com Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com radio.com the vip rope with the hottest party in town back to
0: the party let's go
3: hello well actually i should say hello meow because it's a cat day today and that's joan miller laughing in the background now she is a cat fancier which does not mean that she only likes fancy cats it means that she likes cats she fancies Cats. And I know there's been some misunderstanding about that, Joan. So before we talk more about Cat Center Stage, since you are a cat fancier, can you tell us the difference there?
1: Well, you know, there are some things that are very similar in all cats, whether they're pedigreed or non pedigree for instance, cats are very cautious animals. They like to observe. They love to be high up and look out and see everything. Cats are also very far-sighted animals, so they, they can see about 120 feet in the distance, and they especially are attuned to anything that's moving. So uh, that, that means that they're very, very alert to the slightest movement in the distance. Uh, they, they also um, have other personality characteristics that are very similar And one is that if they're frightened, they will normally uh, run and hide rather than attack something. And cats, all cats, no matter whether they are pedigreed or non-pedigreed, have a similar vocalization, too, unless they're a Siamese and they like to talk a lot. Uh, Most cats will will, uh, uh, make very quiet sounds. They meow when they want to talk to people. They don't usually meow to each other. And they all use body language to communicate as well. There are lots of other uh, similarities to pedigree cats and random bred cats. Well, you
3: know, when you say about talking to people, yeah, I find that so much of whether a cat is noisy or not noisy has to do with the people. If the people responded to meowing, then the cat will be noisy. If they didn't, it won't. And the same with dogs, too. Well, if barking or, you know, begging or whatever works is what the animal is going to do.
1: Well, that's very true. Cats learn very quickly what, what gets them what they want, and uh, although there are breeds of cats that are extremely quiet, and they really only use their bodies for communication, and there are other breeds that are very vocal, so that is a Oh, can you tell me who's
3: quiet? I mean, I think we all know the Siamese is noisy. Who's quiet?
1: Well, one of the breeds that surprisingly enough is in, uh, the British Shorthairs are quite quiet. They rarely make any noise at all. Even Maine Coons will, will make little chirping noises, but they don't they don't have loud voices. They're huge cats, but they they have very slight voices. And uh, actually, I had Abyssinians for many years, and they're relatively quiet. They
3: but will, they're kind mm-hmm. of mischievous, aren't they? Aren't they the ones very, that
1: knock things off Yeah, they're very high mm-hmm. energy. But when they want to get something, they'll come up and they'll touch you with their paw on the side of your leg. They'll they'll use their paws very often just to get attention rather than use their voices. But yes, they they want to play all the time. They're high-energy cats. So they're very different than most cats.
3: When you were talking about the things all cats have in common, and one of the things you mentioned was that they'll run away, but it made me think that often cats will even this line that we all imagine and that's been there so long where people only uh, say they like a certain kind of cat they're only cat lovers of pedigreed cats or only rescue cats or only indoor outdoor cats you know this line is what you're getting rid of with cat center stage and i find it interesting that with cats no matter how much you own them and pamper them and how well bred they are like you're saying if something dramatic happens they can run and hide and become feral the line is blurry and it's interesting to me, but, you know, for the people listening who are dog owners, is this the fact that all cats really everywhere can become feral in an instant, really, and can survive? That's not true of dogs. Is that somewhat of an indicator that they're closer to their primitive self than well, the average bred dog nowadays? Or would you say that's I, not right?
1: I think to a certain degree that's true, Deborah. I don't think that cats have been uh, completely evolved into domesticity. They're still in a, a work in progress. Now there are some cats that have been selectively bred for so many years. Particularly, let's use an example of the Persian. They were bred by royalty in England. In fact, uh, Queen Victoria had blue Persians. So they were they were conscientiously bred in the 1800s. Now they've lost a lot of their predatory instincts, and they and they uh, don't respond to things the way. Another cat would. If a pedigree cat like a Persian were to be outside for some reason, just uh, lost or whatever, they probably couldn't survive very well. Yeah, would be Whereas, in trouble. Yeah. In fact, right now on, on Cat Center Stage, uh, uh, there is a wonderful story about a Persian that was lost and was terribly anemic and was had the coat all matted. And she was taken in, and uh, they found a home for her across the country, and a truck driver drove her all the way across the country. So, oh, this nice is a story. So, if people story. want to
3: read the full story on that, they can go to uh-huh. catcenterstage.org.
1: Yeah, starlight story, and it's, and it's, uh, if they, if someone hadn't rescued this Persian, the Persian would never make it on its own. And yet, that's very different for, for many of well, the cats. That have uh, are if they are outside, they can adjust and they can go back to an almost feral lifestyle, and then they can revert back again too and become pets. It may take some time, but they can go back and forth, which I think is quite unusual. I
3: found that situational effect was remarkable. There was this cat named Orca that I rescued years and years ago from a shelter and she had been rescued from terrible situations, feral. But she was really, really tame and lovey and, you know, would come up to you and rub against you and all that from the time I got her. Well, at one point, I decided to do some construction and even though I had locked all my cats away, she got freaked out by this and ran away on the farm and hid in my neighbor's shed and I couldn't... She was gone a long time, and I had to decide whether to live trap her and put her in the situation my other cats were in, all in crates and kennels, to be safe until the reno was over. After she escaped, I decided Mm -hmm. a room wasn't enough, and you know I went through these elaborate procedures, but they were basically in jail for a few months, and I didn't want her to have that if she had an alternative, so I let her stay there. Well, at the end of it all, I trapped her. And uh, trap, like the kind you'd use on a raccoon, a big giant cage with bait, because I couldn't get anywhere near her. She wasn't coming out. Live trapped her like she was a wild thing. She was not interested in me at all. Got the, the whole trap, brought the whole thing into the house, opened up the trap, expecting her to be all, you know, wild and feral. And she immediately walked over to me and started rubbing up against me like like she hadn't missed a minute. It was... Astounding. You know, why Mm -hmm. did you Mm -hmm. come to me all these times I ran up and down the driveway calling your name, crying, you know? No. (laughs) She had to be trapped and brought back home and then she said, Oh yeah, okay, I'm tame. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's very interesting. You know, that reminds me of, a, there was a study that was done by Linda Lord, who's an epidemiologist and researcher at Ohio State, and she did a study on how dogs and cats, uh, how if they get lost, how they're found. And generally when it came to cats, we discovered from some of this work that cats, Basically, don't get lost. They know very well where they live. If they get out of the house, chances are they're just hiding under the porch or in the in the bushes, fairly close by. Right. But even even if they get further away, um, they found in this one study that Landor did that 60% of the cats that that found their way home did it on their own. Uh, they they. They did not get picked up by animal control, which is some of the, what happens to some of them, and they end up in animal control, and then their their owners wait for a while, and they don't catch them, and they may be adopted or, or other things you know, happening to them. But 60% of them found their own way home. They, they know where they live, but they don't often go home right away.
3: I've had calls like that, too, when I've been left. Yeah, with people calling and saying, you know, I'm, I think my cat's missing, and it's mm-hmm. a neighbor's called, and, she, and she's uh, two kilometers away, and she thinks she's found him, and should I go there and get it him? And, you know, and oftentimes, I really do think the cat chose to leave. Like, in my case, it was the construction. Once the construction was mm-hmm. over, the cat had to see that for itself. <laughs> then, Then it was happy to be <laughs> home again. And oftentimes, when I get a call like this, I can ask them, "Okay, well the day the cat left, did anything happen that day or the day before? Mm-hmm. Oh no, we only we were gone, and we just had the place painted. Oh no, they'll say as they describe this incredible event that would have catapulted any normal cat outside, you know? Oh, no, it was just my brother and his kids came to stay. Did the cat know kids? No, he didn't. Did the kids? Oh, but they were great with him. They were dressing him up and, okay, bingo, you know? No, no, that was the day we bought our new dog. Oh, really, was it, you know? (laughs) So there's always something or often something you can trigger, but it's nice to know they can come back again from that. So let's talk more about Cat Center Stage, though. We kind of got off on a little bit of a great Interesting tangent, but we got to come back. Agility for cats. This is something I was kind of surprised to see. I mean, I know my own cats. They love, I have shells for them so they can run around the rooms and they can have litter boxes out of the way of the many dogs here. And I've noticed how they love to go through obstacles and they particularly love it when I make a change and things are set up differently. Um, but what, do you, what are you doing? I, the idea of a cat with no leash With a bunch of other people or a crowd, going into a ring and going through an obstacle course is just incredible to me.
1: Well, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, It really makes me realize that there's a lot that we don't know about cats, even though we we think we know a lot about their behavior. Um, The more that cats are interacting with their owners in different ways, the more we're learning about how they like to show off, how they can remember things. And uh, they do agility very well. On Cat Center Stage, we have uh, a wonderful series of videos that show people how they can actually get their cats started with agility at home by using cardboard uh, uh, hurdles. And you can easily buy a very inexpensive tunnel similar to what they use in the competition ring. And And this uh, will help
3: you see if your cat's into it, if your cat's into it. now you That's don't. Fine. You're not using food, so don't forget that idea. You're not going to like drag a treat in
1: front. We yeah. don't allow any food in the in the agility course. Uh, so what what cats respond to is lures. They they like they like the the hunt and the, and they like the movement. So they're drawn to jump over hoops, uh uh hurdles or go through hoops or go through the tunnel by following the lure. Once they get the hang of it, they know exactly where they're supposed to go. And uh the handler can kind of guide them, but they know they know how to get through the weave holes and do the things that they're supposed to do. But no, they we don't get, we don't allow any food in the agility and and uh, although some people can get their cats to do things with food treat treats, I think uh Actually, the the reward that the cat gets, it seems, the actual running of the course. They they and love the awesome. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that is their reward. They they enjoy it. Um, they seem to be exhilarated by it. And I was in New York City a couple of years ago, and we were allowing some. Of, we had an adopt-a-cat going on at the same time the show was happening. We allowed some cats to play around in the agility course, and one of them really took to it and me. So it was suggested that the cat be entered. Very inexpensive entry fee. I think it's about $10 to enter. So they did, and he came out third after the end of the weekend in, in the of all the cats. Uh, so that was amazing, a cat that had never done it before. Just I think it's a matter of offering some things to cats. For instance, think, Some cats are going to not
3: want to do this. They're going to no, let they don't like, do it. Please. Just like, oh, And when other you, cats will be like, give me another one, give me another one, right. do it again. Yeah, and that's, and that's so surprising.
1: Uh-huh. Very so, you know,
3: surprised. Okay. so, we're going to come back after the break. We're going to just listen to a little bit from our sponsors. I want to ask you all, though, think about this. Now, don't look this up on the internet. Think about this. What do you think, true or false? Are all cats born with blue eyes? I'll tell you at the end of the show. Now, we're going to go to commercials, and we'll be back talking to Joan Miller from Cat Fanciers, but now from catscenterstage.org. Come back to the party.
2: Don't leave this party before it's over because the
0: best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few.
2: Animal Party is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS. America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party P-A-R-T-Y to get 10% off any order. And free shipping on orders of $39 or more. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Let's talk pets. Let's
2: talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. <laughs> you're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. with the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Hello!
3: Welcome back to the Animal Party with Deb Wolf, your host. And joining me today is Joan Miller and the men many cats she's brought, and as you've heard so far, we have Persians, we have Siamese, we have Abyssinians, we have European Shorthairs, we have, well, we must have American Shorthairs because I'm here, (laughs) we must have some tabbies (laughs) and some Black Cats because I'm here. So, uh, okay, Joan, uh, tell us some more about Cat Center Stage. What do you think will surprise people when they get there?
1: I think that one of the things that will surprise them is the huge resources that we have. For instance, if they look up cat health care, we have hundreds of articles. I've never seen such a comp- comprehensive uh, resource for all the various diseases or problems of cats that have to do with the medicine. It's been years in the making. And it's, it's like uh, a
3: feline uh, medical database of articles, yes, but yes. it's already been selected by professionals. So you don't have yes. to read through what's just somebody's own testimonial of their own pet, you know, using garlic or vitamins or something that you don't even know if it's true or not. This is actual scientific studies and proper research. And so um, it's a very easy way to find out what you need to know to be able to have an educated conversation with your vet if your dog or cat's sick. I don't think you're suggesting this instead of veterinary care. No, not at all. Definitely people go in the into the clinic into the meeting with a bright question
1: yes absolutely and we also do have uh, some experts that answer questions from uh, members too so they can they can uh, question uh, questions about behavior uh, questions about nutrition or grooming and also about veterinary care of the cats the other thing that I think is unusual about cat center stage is that although there are other websites that have information about most of them are how the breed looks. We have quite a bit of information on the personalities of the breeds, and I've never seen that anywhere on the internet. So I think that's a in the breed section. Uh, when we look at the breeds, you can click on each breed that you might be interested in, and then within those breed pages, will be an astounding amount of information on what the cats are actually like as pets.
3: And we're now gradually- is it true mm-hmm. for cats the way it, it somewhat is true for dogs? When it comes to mixed bred dogs, if you see a trait, like, for example, if there's a mixed dog, you know he's of mixed parentage, but he looks like a lab, and he has a lab mouth, and he has lab ears, a lab head, and lab web feet, you're getting pretty much lab personality, mostly. You might have the odd surprise here and there. Maybe he'll point once in a while because he's got a pointer in him, or, you know, there might be something in there odd, but basically, if it looks like a lab, it's going to act like a lab most of the time in most situations. Is that true for cats of unknown ancestry? Can you sort of look at it and go, well, it looks mostly Persian, or it looks mostly Siamese, or is that not true?
1: Well, first of all, you have to remember that only about 5% of all the cats that people own are pedigreed. So it's a very, very small percentage, whereas it's about 60% in dogs. So the idea of mixed breeds or, or uh, cats getting outside and, and a pedigreed cat meeting with a random bird cat and coming up with a, a mixed breed is, is not as likely as it is with dogs. And so um, although a cat might have long hair and maybe he is a large cat and someone says, oh, it looks like a Maine Coon, mm-hmm. chances are it's just a large domestic cat. Uh, right. Pers- Persians have a very distinct look, and if a Persian is mated to another cat, normally that, that rounded head and the very short, short snub nose will come through, so you can recognize Persian in a, in a mixed-grade cat. However, you don't find Persians wandering on the streets. In fact, they don't really like to go outside. I mean, when I had Persians, <laughs> they would, when they open the door, they'd say, oh, no, I don't want to get my hair all blown around out there.
3: It makes me realize that most people don't even consider this when they get a cat. They just look at looks. And when you get a dog, at least, I mean, it happens sometimes, but but they're more aware of exercise needs. They may be mistaken in what they pick, but they think they're picking a breed that suits their exercise or their lifestyle or how much they want to brush it. With cats, though, if you're really, really sedentary and you're really an indoor person, this cat's never getting out, then don't get the wild child (laughs) you Right, <laughs> go for the version. Like, why not get the one that actually matches you? That's going to be happy with you,
1: isn't that? You yeah, know, I think that I think when it comes to choosing a cat, you do have to think about your own lifestyle first and your own your own uh, home and your living environment. And if you're going to live in an apartment and you're in a high rise building, then you don't want a cat that's begging to get outside all the time. And and also,
3: if if you're the type of person that keeps your hair really short and you have no patience for doing your daughter's hair, you're really not Mm -hmm. not the one to get one of these animals, a cat or dog. I mean, don't get a a collie either. Don't get an Afghan. Don't get a Persian because they need to be brushed a few times a day, every day. No, really, Mm -hmm. seriously, every day.
1: That's very important to know. Yes, the Persian. It's uh, like your new new hobby. You know. And the people it's that your like family. to... You have two yeah.
3: pets. Your pet and your pet's coat. Uh, so you have to think about it.
1: That's right. The people that like to to um, uh, have a Persian are the ones that generally like to fuss over things. They, they like to... Uh, they usually move their furniture around, get everything just right, poop up their pillows, and they also comb their cats every day. And it's a pleasure for them, and and the, and the cats like it too. So that is the kind of person that just adores having a beautiful cat with a lovely, luscious, long coat, and they are willing to comb them and willing to give them a bath or two every month to get keep them nice and sparkling and clean. But uh, short hairs, whereas
3: uh, most cats, most of the random bred short haired cats would rather not have a bath, probably ever. So
1: that's a huge difference. Well, it's not too difficult to get them used to having a bath, and and, uh, I usually have done some demonstrations on that, how people can get started to bake a cat. I think every cat, uh, it would be a good idea to at least have a couple of baths just so that in case they get into something, it's not totally unusual to them. And also on the market, they have these wonderful uh, waterless shampoos that are kind of like a little mousse you put on the cat and massage it into their coats, and they really love that. I've done that with shelter cats that I know have never had a bath in their life, and they take to it right away. So there are some... You know some what I
3: found works really well that way, and we used to use this in the, when we had elderly people in who were not as able to take, take care of their pets as they should, and the interior work I was doing was visiting the pets, and we would comb them all out and brush them all out for the elderly people in the nursing homes, and uh, one of the things we did was baking soda. If you sprinkle baking soda on the pets and then brush it through... That is like a dry bath, and it's affordable. It's easy to come by. Cornstarch is another one from your kitchen. If you, if you have a dog or cat, like a golden retriever with mats behind the ears, or maybe a cat with mats under its fatty pad tummy at the back there, um, behind there, those, those mats are really hard to work through, and they're quite oily inside. So if your pet is dry, take some cornstarch in the palm of your hand and just work it into the mat, and then brush it out, and it won't hurt nearly as much. Uh, But don't let the pet get wet until it's all brushed out or it'll get all doughy. So that's our tip of the day. I got that into the party. We've got our tip. (coughs) All right, Joan, thanks for putting up with that. I've got to do a tip every party. So there's our hands-on tip of the day. If they go to your website, one thing I thought that was so fun was, um, and I can't remember what it was called, catnip maybe? Was it called catnip Mm -hmm.
0: where you get to do a quiz?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And okay, I always think. I always think going into this, oh boy, I hope I I hope I hope get 100% when I take one of these quizzes because here I am, you know, cat expert, dog expert. Well, I didn't get 100%, but I was pretty close. I bet you guys will find that the quiz is harder than you think. Take the cat quiz and see if you know cats as well as you think you do. One thing I was happy to see was one of the questions in the cat quiz was about whether it's okay to feed certain well-selected table scraps once in a while to your cat. And I selected yes, thinking, okay, they're going to burn me on this one, but I, I stand by my right to be marked wrong on the quiz and be right in real life, and then lo and behold, you agree with me. So that was really refreshing to have another cat expert come out and say, yeah, if you take a little piece mm-hmm. of meat or chicken and give it to your cat, this is not a bad thing.
1: First, it's not a bad guess. thing at
3: all. What other kinds of leftovers... Should people be, you know, instead of throwing in the trash, if if you have skin of the fish, wouldn't that be a good thing to share with your cat, for example?
1: Well, I've, I've never uh, tried that, but I, you know, cats are, are incredible as far as what they will eat and what they won't eat, and mostly it's geared to what's not good for them. If they won't touch it, it's because something's wrong with it. And uh, that's one of the reasons why cats have survived very well, is that they they're very discerning about what they'll eat. And I I had one Abyssinian that just loved bologna. Oh, funny. <laughs> He'd carry well, that it is brown in his yeah. mouth and would growl. And I would never think of feeding that to him as a meal, but he enjoyed it. It was a nice, fun thing to do, and I don't think it hurt him at all.
3: No, probably no. not. No, I mean, cats don't get high cholesterol like we do. They can have a big time meat diet and be all right with that. In fact, that's probably the way it was meant to be. Some say between 15 and 18 mice a day is the perfect cat diet, complete with everything they need. The hair and everything. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, from the look of what they leave me, they like certain parts better than others. They are incredibly good at getting rid of the skin and the innards all in a neat little pile and making the rest disappear somehow. You mean your Uh, cats bring
1: home mice to you? Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to tell you what my theory is on that. First of all, I've watched uh, uh, stray cats that have trained their kittens. I took in a a cat that was pregnant, and she delivered kittens on a construction site. And so I was able to watch them, and I couldn't confine them, as I might have, because there was no house to put her in. She was just in the middle of the construction. And I, I noticed that she started bringing home little mice for her kittens to play with. And then when they were about eight weeks, she took them off for hunting, little hunting ventures. And then they would come back and they would have a mouse and she would actually eat it in front of them. And I really feel um, that when a cat is bringing a mouse to you, she's, she, it's sort of her instinct. She thinks that she sees you going off every day to work or whatever, and you never bring home anything. So she's trying to teach you how to hunt, just like she would teach her kittens, I oh, just,
3: I totally see that, and yeah. in, when she does it for my children, and she does it for my children all the time, cool. they, I hear them laughing, and I'll come running out of the house to see what they're laughing at, and my cats will, with an already dead mouse or almost dead mouse or rodent of some kind, they will reenact the battle over and, <laughs> and over again, like, and then I gave them a right, and then a left, and then I grabbed him by the neck, <laughs> and I threw him to the ground. And and like, toss, yeah, them the yeah, toss them in the air. Yeah, toss him in the air. Yeah, well, she's, she's, she's
1: teaching the kids how to hunt. It was their job to do is to teach their kittens how to hunt. And so if you don't have any kittens at home, then your children are a nice substitute. So I used to have a cat
3: who gave uh, like a tax, like a tithe. She would take a mouse a day and drop it in the big Rottweiler's bowl. And then <laughs> this caught on. And then all the cats were doing this except one cat. And they weren't doing it every day, but once in a while and when they could. And, you know, and that one cat, oh, my gosh, the Rottweiler was so mean to that one cat. He let the other sleep on him. He, he was like a, just a big mound of jello with the cats, except that one. That one would get attitude all the time from the Rottweiler because mm-hmm. it wasn't paying his tax, you know. He knew what it was, who, who smelled of the kill and where it was coming from. And it was pretty funny to watch it all manifest because it started with one cat and then two cats, and everybody started to pay their tax, you know, and I don't think it was his idea, he wasn't that clever, I think it was the cat's idea.
1: It's amazing how (laughs) well cats do interact with dogs I think uh, the days of people feeling that cats and dogs don't get along is is gradually going because cats really do seem to enjoy being with dogs Well, you know, here at Camp
3: Good Dog, we board dogs, we train dogs, we breed dogs, but up at my house I have all kinds of pets and Mm -hmm. the dog's are mostly rescue, although some of them are purebred breeding stock, but they are rescue. And the uh, cats are all rescue, for real, a total rescue. And um, the way they treat each other is not identical. You know, like there's certain dogs that the cats adore in a different way than other dogs. It's not like a blanketed thing. It's the personality thing. It's individuals, really. They all have their different relationships, you know? So it's, it's interesting to see. People think, oh, okay, well, my dog likes cats or my cat like, Well, maybe he likes some You know, in certain ones, sometimes in certain situations, like our red standard poodle is very respectful and polite with all the cats in the house. But if she sees them outside, she'll always treat it like a game of tag. She won't actually hurt them, but she'll definitely chase them and chase them toward the house with glee as if it's her job, you know. And there's other dogs like my Rottweiler who wouldn't bother them at all anywhere, no matter what. It's just not, unless they went for his food bowl, then he might growl at them. But other than that, you know, he's just not that interested in them, really. (laughs) And uh one of them likes to rub up against him and they all have these different interrelationships. There's um it's uh yeah, so I don't I don't think that people truly understand how much personality there is in dog and cats. Did you see the article recently that was in the New York Times commenting on the research where they found some animals are extroverts and some are introverts, some are what in people terms we'd call schmoozers and some are brave or um you know, reckless, and others are kind of afraid and cowardly. Did you see that article?
1: No, I didn't, but I know that there are a variety of personalities. However, um, many cats will act uh, differently in a strange environment than they really are. For instance, in shelters, you can't really tell what the personality is often. And other cats are are happy in every environment. On Cat Center Stage, there's a wonderful article about Congo, the therapy cat. In fact, we now have three articles about different therapy cats and what they do. And there are some really wonderful outgoing cats that seem to just enjoy being uh, admired and they like to give uh, affection. And I think more and more people are realizing that the cats that do have the boldness and are outgoing, they like to be working cats. They like to to uh, get their certification and go off into the with the Alzheimer patients. Is what Congo was working with, also with children. There's some great photos in that article too. And the first uh, indication that the people that owned Congo knew that he was outgoing was that he took to their dogs right away, and they were real buddies. And then they started to uh, uh, take him on a leash. And he liked to go out and about. He liked to meet people. And so he gradually got into uh, a, a group that um, is involved with, uh, with therapy. And it's a wonderful story that I think uh, many people would possibly like to expose their cats to this. The organization is called Love on a Leash. And they mostly have dogs. So there aren't that many cats yet. But certainly this cat congo was inspiring.
3: I think lots of times people underestimate cats. There are cats working in various parts of the world doing very odd things. One of which I thought was really strange was they were used to train rodents to not be scared of cats and not freak out about cats and not always be worried about cats. So then the rodents could be trained to find bombs. Very interesting application of cat training. But what you're talking about is more accessible to most of us. If you have a cat who's really extroverted and friendly, and you've tried walking him, tried putting a harness on him, and you've tried putting a leash on him, and he likes both, and he likes meeting people, and he likes other pets, then maybe hospital visits are for you. So, how did they get in touch with that?
1: Well, the group that uh, uh, trained um, or got Congo, this cat involved, is called Love on a Leash, and I went to their website, and it looks absolutely wonderful, and they're the ones that uh, certify the cats, and I don't know if they're national, but I believe they are, and I, I think in every, in every community, there are probably some groups that have therapy dogs, and they might be very interested in working with cats, too.
3: Yeah, there is a way. You can Google or figure out a way through your local hospitals. Find the local pet people visiting and then and if you ask any resident at the hospital they'll tell you what day they come in come in on the day the pets come in everybody knows what day it is everybody's excited about it and meet them ask them where they're from ask them if they'd go without your cat of course the first time and ask them if they'd if they'd be interested there's probably a way of certifying here they used to do it through a hospital at royal Columbian and new westminster and that was for all of the lower mainland and at one point they were asking me if i would uh be a part of that, be a part of the testing, but uh, I was really pregnant at the time and didn't want to be in the hospital, <laughs> didn't think it was a good place, a bad omen to be hanging around the hospital for a lot a lot of visits, totally pregnant, so no, I didn't go for it. But I know it's happening in all kinds of areas, all kinds of cities, all over the world, and the pets have to pass some basic obedience first if their dogs come sit, stay heel type stuff, but both dogs and cats have to not pick something up if it drops, like pills, They have to not go for it, and uh, they have to be calm and quiet, and they have to, when cats' cases, allow being placed on people and taken off again, not use their claws on people, not bite, not scratch. Other than that, the organization you're with will have different rules and different ways of certifying, but there is a little process, and that's fun, too. Your cat will love that. The certifying process is... is is work that your cat will love if it's the right cat. If it's not the right cat, you'll figure it out really quickly. Okay, so I love your site, Cat Center Stage. I love the fact that it's for all the cat owners out there. The people who listen to this show are really uh, very good at posting to the web. So is there some place they can do that on your
1: site? Absolutely. There's a button called Community, and that leads you right away to the Cat Center Stage forum. And the guests can read how to get started, and uh, it's a free registration. and Once you're you're registered, and uh, we we block any spammers, but everybody else is welcome. Then there are, are various topics that are growing and growing, and we're getting lots of uh, interesting. Uh, Things happening about cat health, about grooming, about behavior. We have a wonderful calendar of events that are uh, cat shows and pet expos. And the No-Kill Conference that just was held a couple of weeks ago was on there. Uh, All kinds of uh, interesting videos. You can have a profile for your cat or for yourself. Tell a little bit about how you met your first cat. Put a picture of the cat up there. Uh, it's it's uh, just a lot of fun, and people are just beginning to be uh, aware of it. We're starting to get more and more members and and hits there' have been about oh i think um probably around forty thousand uh uh views to this than the last time i checked, so nice. it's, uh, it's it's growing rat-nail. yes yes, it's growing mhm.
3: When I see your mission, I want you to, Anne, to explain the last part of it. So I see it says to promote respect for all cats, random bred, pedigreed, and feral through participation, education, communication, and advocacy. What's the advocacy part?
1: Well, sometimes we have to realize that we have to be advocates for the whole idea of pets uh, um, at all. There are, there are some legislation Uh, ordinances and other things that are very anti-pet ownership. So we we try to oppose this sort of thing. One example would be limit laws. We feel that's not necessary. Um, In Los Angeles, for instance, they have a limit of three cats or three dogs in a household. And yet there are people that are just devoted to cats. They have a large home. They may have uh, several people that can take care of the cats. And three cats is not very many when you you think of those in the shelters that could use homes. So we're usually aligned with the rescue groups in uh, blocking uh, limit laws. Another one that is very difficult to deal with is confinement of cats or leash laws for cats. People say, well, cats are howling when they're digging up the garden. They don't realize that many cats are outdoor cats. It's a huge number. 34% of all people get their cats because they come to the door, and when you talk about confinement of cats being required by law, it means that they're going to go out and trap them, and they come into the shelters, and there's no space for them, and so they're euthanized, and we don't think that uh, just because a cat is homeless, that that's any reason to uh, remove them from the streets. If they're altered... Uh, trapped and altered and then returned to where they were, they, they are not as much of a nuisance and behavior problem. So we're very much advocates for trap, neuter, and return. Uh, we think that's an excellent way to deal with the, the cats that are homeless. And so we join Alley Cat Allies and many of the independent groups are working very hard to to try to be humane to these cats that don't have homes, whether they're strays or or feral cats. And that gives you a couple of examples of of how we advocate for cats. We also advocate for pet identification. We think it's very good for cats to wear collars if they are going outside or to be microchipped or both. So that's another uh, advocacy that we're for. When you
3: talk Mm. about TNR, I just want listeners to know that there's other shows that I've done on Animal Party. There's other parties where I talk about TNR, and I've had TNR, hands-on rescuers, talk on the show. And actually, coming up in the fall, I'm having the ones you just mentioned. Alley Cat Rescue is coming to the show for the first time Mm -hmm. to talk about the work they do. So I'm really glad you highlighted that. There's this idea out there that cats are somehow not natural so therefore they shouldn't be here. And they should be like Australia, outlawed as outdoor pets or eliminated in some way so that they don't occupy any natural presence. And the idea is that they hurt songbirds. And I find this so ridiculous. Just watching my cats come in time after time with rodent after rodent after rodent, the very rodents who would take my chickens, my hens, baby chicks, you know, the very rodents that would eat those alive if the cats weren't there to catch them. Um, I just don't get it. I don't get why people do no. that. Now, there is the odd bird kill. It's true. There is. There's been a couple this year, in this entire year. I suspect they were babies who fell out of their nests and then the cats got them because that's what they look like. They probably were goners anyway. But it's just so much easier to hunt mice and rodents. It really is. So well, cats and that's are basically
1: you know cats are basically programmed to be small rodent hunters. they don't do very well with cat with birds if they're if they're um in an area where they don't have the small rodents then they do learn how to catch birds but you're right they will catch the young ones and the old birds or the injured birds and they and the ground nesting birds are are vulnerable uh, yeah. however um they they generally would prefer to, to catch rodents, so that's that's a major thing that I, I think is important to realize. And Well, also and in a the few
3: instances where it is proven that there's a sensitive uh, ground nesting area that is a TNR rescue site, they relocate the TNR rescue site. That's happened. So this is just yes. small, so few and far between, and when that actually is a problem, they relocate them. Most of the time, without the cats, the birds would be worse off. The cats are actually keeping the rodent population down. And if you think we're okay without them, you're wrong. It's going to be toxic. Without cats around, we need a lot more poison. And it's not good for us to have that all over the place in our food, in our water, in our air, around us. It's just its not the way to
1: go. Well, there are some really good examples of that, Um In Florida, when they had a hurricane years ago, I forget which one, I think it was Andrew. In some of the Florida towns, there were no cats left at all, and there were. And gradually after the hurricane, the rat population was enormous. And they actually imported cats to deal with it. So they, they, for the first time, realized that the community really did desperately need those cats. Also, at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, I remember years ago, they were trying to ban cats in the park because they thought people were dumping them in the park and they didn't want that and there was lots of back and forth in the testimony from the bird people saying that they they were getting the quail and uh, the cat people saying no and finally the best testimony after hearing all the scientists and all the experts who had worked there for years and um she he said that uh the cats were the very best thing that they could have in the park because they kept the rat population down. And what really uh, was was uh, damaging the birds was when they, they disallowed the gardener from cutting back or they had the gardener cut back all the bushes because of the homeless people that were sleeping in the park. So once they realized where that they were exposing those ground-lusting birds by all this massive cutback, They adjusted their gardening, and that and the cats. To this day, this was about in the mid 90s, about 93. To this day, the cats are very welcome there. They have, they're they're neutered, they're spayed, and they're cared for by the feral groups that work with these cats, and they're very welcome because nobody wants to have rats in Golden Gate Park.
3: Well, and you know, I remember reading about 10 years ago now, they estimated that for every person living in London, there was a hundred rats. That was the rat to human Mm -hmm. ratio back then, London, England, a hundred to one. And then in the article I was reading, it said, but you Americans don't be smug because it's worse in New York City. And I just thought, oh, I remember because I was on my way to New York at the time and I just got the grease. I just thought, oh no, oh no. I don't know why I, you know, and people listening to this show, some of them love rats. Some of them keep rodents as pets. Some of them will hate that we're talking about them like they're vermin, and I apologize to you, because on occasion, I have had to hold a rat. One time, I had to kiss a snake and put a medal around his neck at a VIP, very important pet event, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I have overcome my ickiness, because I realize it's just personal prejudice, and I try and get over it, and I try and embrace all animals, but now that I'm on a farm, and I have all this organic thing going on, and we've got the eggs and the chickens... I'm really happy my cats do their job with their hats and the mice. I really am. <laughs> so not all pets are equal on the farm, I must say. But um, is there something we want to tell everybody about cats on stage? Because I, I think uh, uh, we've covered a lot, and we're running out of time. The party's going to end. They're going to be cleaning up all the <laughs> glasses and putting away the drinks and getting the cats out of here. When you talk <laughs> about gardening. People listening know that I plant catnip in my gardens and herbs in my gardens mm-hmm. to draw cats to my gardens because I find they keep out all the things I don't want. Because if there's smell of cat there, bunnies don't go there, mice don't go there, voles don't go there. All the stuff that my neighbors have little holes and little mounds of earth beside the holes all over their lawns. I don't have that here. Um, but there, you know, there is the odd cat feces here and there. So I have to create an area they want to use for that. I mean, there is some accommodation in the garden, but they also eat. A- a lot of the bugs that are not good for the garden. So they're really, it's a win-win thing having cats in and out of the garden. The birds who would come take my seeds don't land there or take, steal my fruit don't land there. I still have to have nets over my blueberries, but it gives the cats a fighting chance at, keep, at keeping them
1: free. Well, one of the things that I'd like to bring to some of everybody's attention is that we do have a survey and that gives us an in, an indication of what people's interests are. And I would say that cat center stage is going to be evolving according to what uh, our viewers would would like. Whether they they are interested in behavior or cat care, whether they want to have stories and videos that they that they take themselves posted, whether they're interested in the fictional stories and poems. So that they have we have children. In fact, we have a couple of daycare centers that are. That are exposing their children to the website with all the games and quizzes and jigsaw puzzles. And we want to find out what the kids like. We have a wonderful section called uh, Four Kids About Cats. We have various. Um, can schools. I ask
3: you, what, what <laughs> ages is it aimed at? What are we, if you've got a kid, what age are they? I guess
1: yeah, mostly, I'd say about six to nine seems to be a good age, but you know i okay. I'd love to do the crossword, I mean, the crossword puzzles myself. I'm not that good, and and a crossword puzzle for kids is kind of fun about you know what I find
3: because I have kids in that age. I have one kid in that age and one that's uh, quite a bit younger. And I just watched, as I'm on air with you, as I'm doing this show, I just watched one of my smallest cats go jumping, scampering across the solar blanket. And she made it, but I almost had to go flying off the air and run downstairs and save the silly cat. She's probably done it a hundred times she did.
1: Also, for photography, we've got some wonderful articles about how to use a camera and how to photograph cats, and we're wanting to stimulate people to get used to photographing their cats and post their photos. We want to hear, see their people's cats, and I think photos always are interesting. There's a lot of... Well, and that's that's a good way of getting...
3: That's a good way of getting your kids engaged. If they've got a camera, if you've got a cute photo of your cat, get them to upload it. Um, not upload themselves necessarily, but a photo of the pet. And the thing I was going to say is there's so many sites out there that cater to kids who love animals, but you've got to pay as you go. You've got to buy the little stuffy with the code, and then it expires, and the kid's crying because it's expired. Now you've got to mm-hmm. buy another one. And there's so many of these things where the one time is free or it's free for a month, or, and they get hooked on this stuff. And really, if your kid's got an interest in these pretend pets, stuff they'd really like the real thing more so why not you know get them hooked on this stuff that's not going to cost
1: you know they can learn about braids and colors they can they can learn about uh, careers and work with with cats they there we have links to interesting websites that are good for children we have a section for parents and teachers uh, on the uh, fourth is about cats so there's lots for the kids as well as for the adults. And I, I think the jigsaw puzzles are great because you can make the, the pieces large or small. And it's kind of fun to do the the uh, jigsaw puzzles on, on the Internet.
3: If people listening to this have gone through the Internet and they looked everywhere and there's something they just can't find, there's something they wish they could find on a website, then let Cat Center Stage know because they're evolving according to what you tell them you want. Maybe you've got a great idea that's going to branch off a whole new part of their site. Just go on there and
1: let them know, right? (laughs) Great, yes, that's wonderful. I just saw a camera this weekend that someone had a little pocket camera in the purse and it took a long video and I just thought that was so wonderful that people could just take videos of the cats at the show, not just photos but videos. I'd love Mm -hmm. to see people take a video of their cat and put it on Cat Center Stage.
3: I'd like to see some cats with no leash doing agility that would
1: be cool to see. Yeah, take a look at the videos that are on there. There's a whole series of them.
3: Oh, right and, on. Okay, I will. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to add? Because we do have to go.
1: Well, I just want to say that uh, we're, we're very pleased to have uh, the contact with everybody that owns cats and loves cats. Everything is positive on Cat Center Stage, and we are we're, we're really thrilled with uh, the reception and the fact that people love to talk about their own cat, and we're here to, to learn about cats, too. So thanks very much, Joan.
3: Oh, thank you for joining me. It's been a great party, everybody. Now we have to we have to let all these cats out. Good thing I'm not allergic to cats anymore. Ha ha. I'm not coughing or sneezing at all. I won't even need to vacuum right away. They weren't stressed out. They weren't losing their hair. They've been very well behaved. I see everybody use the litter boxes. Nicely done, everyone. So you can come back anytime, Joan. Thanks for coming to Animal Party. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. For those of you wondering if I was going to answer the trivia question today or not, I am. And the answer is yes, all cats are born with blue eyes. It is true. It's true. Yep, it's true. Okay, <laughs> temperature facts. I want you to know, I know you hear all the time, don't leave your dog in the car, don't leave your cat in the car, don't, 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 and you think, yeah, 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 but I'm just going to pick up my dry cleaning, but I'm just going to run in and get some vegetables, but I'm just going to run and get some milk and some butter. It won't take me a second, but, 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 if you get stuck or caught, if the cash is slow, if somebody's debit doesn't ring true, if they can someone decides to write a check, oh, oh, this hasn't happened in ages, but when it used to, boy, if somehow or other you get stuck, you're just going to order that frappe frappuccino latte drink and all of a sudden it's just taking forever and you don't understand why because you can see the lineup and there's only one person and why is it taking forever and you're getting all anxious that's not helping your dog or cat in the car because in 10 minutes on a normal day normal summer day where it's 85 degrees out in 10 minutes your car is going to get to 102 degrees and in 30 minutes your car is going to be over 120 degrees so maybe you just go for seven minutes and come back okay Maybe you do, and so your dog only is a little bit dehydrated. Maybe you do that two or three times. Okay, now your dog has heat stroke, and he's dehydrated, and he has a headache, and he doesn't feel good, and he might puke later, whether you see it or not is another matter, but he might. He might have an upset stomach for a few days. He might be lethargic. He might have a headache for days. Why are you doing this to your dog or your cat when you could leave them home? I know they act like they want to go. But if they knew you were going to leave them in the car by themselves with the temperature soaring, they wouldn't want to go. So don't take them. Leave a second person in the car with them with the leash and go for a walk. Or take the cat out on a leash and harness or in the cage. That's Okay. But not exposed to the sun, you have to have shade. Not in the back of a truck where they're still exposed to the hot sun and they're still exposed to the heat. They just have wind, which makes them feel good, but they're still getting dehydrated and they're still getting sunstroke and they're loose so they could get in an accident. Not back there either. Just leave them at home with shade and extra water, water that's anchored and maybe an extra bucket in case they tip it over. And uh, some shade, no matter what position the sun's in all day. If you take them to the beach, remember, your dogs don't want to go to the beach. They want to go with you, but they'd rather be swimming in the evening or the morning. They'd rather be in the forest during the day. They'd rather be under shade. So provide shade for them. Make them rest out of the water. Don't let them get too hot. And if they do get overheated, use cool water, not ice, and get them to the vet. So we've talked about this before. If you want to know more about summer safety, go to the last shows I did in July for Pet Life Radio, last couple of episodes before this, and you can hear all about summer safety. I did a whole piece on it. For now, though, I just want you to be good to your animals and come back to the party next week when coming to the party will be Stacy Mantle from Pets Weekly. And I know we've hinted at this before. We've talked about cat furniture and cat agility like we did today. Well, she's going to tell you where you can get modular stuff that's pretty affordable and works great and will entertain your cats like crazy. Keep them safe if you want to give them outdoor time without any risk at all. So Pets Weekly is coming next week. And we're also going to talk to her about dog stuff, recycled beds and toys and all kinds of things she likes. The best pick she's got from the last year. So all the latest, greatest stuff, and that way you won't have to buy the junk and waste your time and money. You'll just hear what works from her. We're even going to talk about a special car is trying to cater to us pet owners. So we'll find out all about that from Stacey Mantle next week. All right, everybody. Be good to your animals and come back to the party.
2: Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.